Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. This will be a first for the Tartan Talks series. We have three guests. Joining us first is Trip Davis of Trip Davis and Associates. And then we're joined by Tom Marzoff of Fazio Design. And finally, we speak with Bill Bergen of Bergen Golf Designs. And Trip, Tom, and Bill are going to describe what it's like being a golf course architect in 2022 when there's so much happening in the golf industry. And they're also going to be providing guidance on how to best handle and plan for a golf course renovation or course enhancement project of your own here in 2022 and beyond. But before we get going with Trip, Tom, and Bill, we'd like to thank Better Billy Bunker for supporting this podcast. Better Billy Bunker is not only a big supporter of the American Society of Golf Course Architects, Better Billy Bunker supports a number of industry efforts, including the work of golf course superintendents. So we're glad they've been on board with this podcast for so long. And we're glad that we were able to spend some time with three awesome guests. Well, Tripp, uh, thanks for joining the, the podcast. I know we spoke with you a few years ago at the, the Golf Industry Show, but I really appreciate you doing this on short notice. And the first thing I want to ask you is it seems like every time I look on Facebook, you're in a different part of the country, whether it's California, Texas, Georgia, Massachusetts, Oklahoma, Connecticut, New Jersey. I'm probably missing some, but how have you balanced working in so many different parts of the country over the last few years? Last year, year and a half has has really been um, really good, but also very busy. And and you know, I'm thankful that um, my kids are older, so they're not you know they're they're out of the house. They're both graduated from college, and my wife uh, went back to work after the kids left the house, and so uh, she's pretty busy. And she understands that I got to be on the road a good bit, and so I've just had to work hard and. It's been great. Uh, you know, I've, I've always wanted to, to do some work in these areas that we're getting an opportunity to work in. You know, but I've, I've often heard, you know, be careful uh, that your wishes come true because it's, um, it's been really busy, but we've managed it well. Yeah, how do you structure your days, weeks, and months right now, and how organized do you have to be to have so many projects going at one time? You have to be uh, fairly organized, but I think as much as anything, you just got to do the work. And, you know, we often uh, run into that with when we're talking about construction schedules and so forth. And, you know, you can, I think you can overthink the structure. You can overthink, you know, how you're going to organize things. Uh, at the end of the day, you just got to do the work. Part of the challenge is uh, being able to uh, work with other people's schedules. Because, you know, there's a lot of times where uh, I'll have a client say, you know, can you give me some dates of when we can get together? And, you know, and I've got like one or two in the next two or three weeks. And so that's kind of the toughest part. But I, I, in reality, Guy, one of the things that's really helped is Zoom and the pandemic, um, getting everybody kind of used to working in Zoom and, and finding the positives out of that versus the negatives has been really good for being able to keep in touch with clients and get things done because um, I'm an architect that likes to be on the ground during construction and so I'm not jumping around you know I'd rather do meetings remotely and spend my time on the site so it's it's been manageable. Trip. A lot of architects in your situation wait their entire careers to receive some of the opportunities that you've received the last year and year and a half. How do you properly determine what's the right amount of work that you can handle at one time? Uh, days in the week. 
it really is. I mean, my Kyle Downs uh, is my right hand man for you know the last almost 13 years now, and I were on the phone yesterday. I was driving from Atlanta, where we're doing the Atlanta Athletic Club, to Augusta, where we're getting ready to start work on Augusta Country Club this spring, uh, the day after the Masters, actually. And uh, we were talking about, you know, some of the things we got coming up for the next three, four months. And, um, and you know, we're literally counting days in the week. <laughs> so his wife is great, too. And, you know, and although he has a young son, you know, I, I purposely try to, you know, keep him uh, closer to home because uh, I don't mind the travel. And my wife will come out and find me on the road every once in a while. So, you know, but it is really, I mean, I, you know, like this last year guy, I did uh, between April and end of November, I think I did six or seven three-week trips. So, you know, just gone for three weeks at a time. And, um, um, you know, it gets tiring, but, you know, if you're motivated and, you know, you're mentally into what you're doing, as long as you just, you know, make sure to get, some rest at times, and I, I call them uh, Winston Churchill's, you know, because Winston famously took four o'clock naps, and every once in a while, if I tell anybody on the site, I'm going to go take a Winston nap, and they know what I mean. Do you take those on site, or do you take them uh, in a hotel room? <laughs> no, I usually try to get off site, because if I stay on site, inevitably someone's going to come knock on my window and say, you know, hey, we need you to look at something, so I just I just, I just get out of Dodge, and... and uh, because I'm also kind of a night owl. I, I will work. I can work late into the night, and I can go a few days with only you know five or six hours of sleep, and then I've got to uh, get that rest every once in a while. Trip, compare being a golf course architect in 2022 to to 2012. I mean, how many more opportunities are there out there? And, and just, I mean, a lot has changed in the, the last decade. Well, one of the things I mentioned earlier was, you know, about being able to do Zoom and how everybody's become a lot more adept at doing it and accepting of it. Um, that has really helped us try to, you know, be in more than one place to think. Uh, I actually find it works pretty well, and it may even work better than doing presentations in person. Um, maybe not so much for an interview uh, for a new project, but, you know, we only – we only try to pick up one or two new things a year. So the interview process for us is not as big a part of Zoom as just regular meetings. And so oftentimes in those meetings, I'm trying to illustrate things to the committee members I'm working with, the members of the club graphically. What we have found is that if everybody's sitting at their own you know, desktop or laptop and I'm sharing the screen on Zoom, I can better illustrate uh, graphically what I'm talking about than if everybody's in the same room and we've got it in a projector up on a screen or, you know, they're on multiple TVs around the room. It's so much easier for people to um, to see it um, on a computer screen. And so that's been a big difference and I think, a, you know, a big help uh, in the way that we do things. In terms of the number of opportunities that are out there, it's obviously, uh, from 2007 anyway, has gone mostly to doing renovation restoration work. Unfortunately, I was one of the architects that never really did a lot of new course work. So most of my career since I started my own firm in 1994 has been with renovations and then restoration. Um, that's where all the work is now. And 
it's a different type of work. It, it really is different from doing new courses. Having that experience has helped me because I can speak uh, to clients about the intimacy, you know, the intricacies and the detail involved with renovation restoration. Um, that how it differs from new course work or even blowing up and doing a new one over top of an old one. And, uh, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's been, those are the two main things that I've seen guys that, you know, we're doing almost all renovation restoration work, even, you know, 2012 was the same, but with so much work out there now, um, I think, and I hope everybody, you know, in our industry is given an opportunity to get work, you know, keep, get some young people coming up into the business because, you know, that's the one thing that I see that a uh, little different than when I was getting started is there was a, a, an app, you know, an outlet for young architects because the firms were bigger. And now it's, you know, not that way. And so hopefully with more work out there, we're, we're going to see some younger people come up. Uh, speaking of get, getting work done, Trip, how challenging is it to find – contractors to execute work right now and how far in advance should a club be thinking ahead if they want to do a renovation or improve part of the golf course that's another good point guy i um, didn't think about but uh, one of the differences between now and even a few years ago is that the labor market for golf course contractors to find and to keep uh, good people is tougher um, they're having to pay more uh, companies have largely uh, I, I wouldn't say that's really downsized because I think the, in the economy as a whole and the overall labor market downsized them for, you know, for them, and they just have not necessarily built back up. So they're doing a little bit less work in some cases. And um, so a couple of things, that, it makes it a little bit more of a challenge to pick contractors that you know are going to have good people uh, around, but it also is requiring that secure these contractors well in advance. I mean, you know, we're we're looking, you know, 10, 12 months out. We're bidding projects, uh, you know, five, six, seven months sooner than we used to uh, just to be able to make sure that we can retain not only a contractor but a contractor that can bring good people uh, to, uh, to the work. And the other factor there, you know, especially now with supply chain issues, is not only supplying, you know, getting the contractor uh, locked up for a project, it's giving them time to be able to order materials and get everything in so that uh, there's not any holdups during during the course of the work. How much more work do you think could be done out there if there was just more available labor right now? Are we at the point where um, the demand to do projects is greater than the supply to execute them? I think there's some of that. Um, <laughs> I think the the labor, uh, I think the material issues is as big a factor as labor. You know, there are certain places where, you know, the I think the, you know, like, for instance, with drainage pipe, ADS can only make pipes so fast right now. And with a number of projects that are being considered and being, um, you know, trying to move forward, um, it's difficult to be able to get that done. Um, and uh, I've heard of a few projects that were supposed to go this year that aren't because they, you know, got behind the eight ball with ordering materials. And I think some of that is labor, but I've, it's a tough metric to really put your finger on. But I think the um, – I hope what we see anyway is instead of going ahead and saying, you know, hey, yeah, we can make this work and then having 
uh, labor challenges in a project and having material uh, issues in a project. I'd like to see us, as necessary in our industry as a whole, postpone work or go to the clients and say, look, this isn't the best time because, you know, we need more time to be prepared. And we actually have done that with one of our projects that, that was going to go this uh, year and, and went to the client and said, look, it's, it's going to be very difficult. I think it's in your best interest to let's postpone it a little bit um, so that we can make sure that uh, in that case, it's, you know, making sure we can get all the materials in place and, and make sure that uh, contractors are going to have enough labor. But in that case, it was more of a material uh, supply issue. But, you know, you, you, you uh, with golf course construction, it's so much about uh, the quality of the work. It's really important to, uh, uh, to do good work and so, you know, not force it. You know, if you can find the bodies, and you can find the materials, but you can't find the exact right materials or you can't get a good staff on. It's better to postpone so you can't. Tripp, a lot of our listeners are superintendents and assistant superintendents. What should they be doing to get ahead of a project? Is there anything they can do even before the club decides to definitely do it if their facility is even talking about it? What can a superintendent and assistant superintendent do to help their facility to get ahead with some of the issues that we just talked about? Well, I would say the first thing is really getting to know your material suppliers, getting to know what their capabilities are. Um, and, you know, at the point at which a project gets approved, having the ability to uh, go immediately. Um, you know, um, not only with superintendents, but with general managers and, you know, and with uh, uh, club members that are in a leadership role. Uh, it's good to be able to, um, have all your ducks in a row as to what you need to ex- begin to execute at the moment that a project is approved and the funding is approved. Because you know we're we're doing Land Athletic Club right now, and I will point out that you know Lucas Harvey, the superintendent there, has been exceptional at um, um, really getting working with me to lay out the, you know the materials that were going to be needed, type of materials, what we were going to use. We made a lot of decisions. Uh, a lot earlier than we may have otherwise, so that when he was given the green light, he was ready to go uh, and was able to start getting, you know, deliveries in for materials and so forth. So push the club, if you're a superintendent or an assistant, you know, push the club to have an architect engaged so that you can understand the scope of the work and figure out the type of materials that are going to be needed, what you're going to use, um, and be ready to start ordering that stuff when the work goes. Now, the other, the, the flip side of that is that, you know, one of the other differences, I guess you could say, between now and even just a few years ago is we're seeing a lot more clubs because of that buying their own materials. And um, that's a little bit of a change in the way that projects could be managed, but uh, I think that's going to be something that the superintendents and assistant superintendents are going to have to be aware of is that a lot of these projects going forward, the purchasing of materials and, uh, and you know, delivery or seat of those things, of, of that material is going to be on them. And so um, that'll be a change and uh, just have to be prepared for um, handling that going forward. That's a great thing, and I, I had never really thought of it like that. And last thing before we get you out of here, Trip. I mean, just think back to March of 2020. Did you at that time imagine that you and your ASGCA colleagues would be getting some of the opportunities? 
opportunities they are now? Did you think it would turn out this way for golf? No, I was scared to death. <laughs> mm. um, you know, and and uh, I've told someone before, you know, that uh, all golf course architects in some way, shape, or form are entrepreneurs. Part of being a good entrepreneur is, is getting scared a little bit at times, you know, to be able to be sharp and be on top of things. But I, I actually, I was in New Jersey working at Spring Lake Golf Club. I think it was March 13th. It was the day that, you know, it was kind of all announced. And, and I was getting on a plane to come home and everything had started to shut down. And, you know, and I stayed home for nine weeks. I think, you know, I, I barely left the house uh, just because I couldn't get anywhere. Um, and we didn't have anything that was ongoing at that point because, um, you know, stuff had either been postponed or so forth. So in my particular case, you know, we had projects that were uh, supposed to go in 21 as of March 2020. Um, you know, we were working on projects that were going to be bid. We were doing master plans and so forth that, for stuff that was going to be done last year. You know, there was a uncertainty uh, for quite a while after that, you know, that March as to what was actually going to happen. Uh, the challenging thing is, you know, you as a business person, you have to kind of forecast that, hey, some of this stuff may not go. So I need to maybe look at opportunities a little bit differently instead of, you know, assuming that something's going to happen. I'm going to have to assume it may not. And um Fortunately for us, um, you know, most everything that we were looking at went forward uh, that made it really busy for us last year, and it's kind of bled over a little bit into this year. But, um, um, you know, I, in, in March of 20, I was, it was, I was completely unsure. I had no clue that at that point that we would end up playing, that the game of golf would would explode the way it did, which, you know, in a lot of ways made the, the clubs that we all work with a little bit more uh, capable of doing work because the revenues were a bit higher in a lot of cases. And, you know, in a lot of ways, the positive you can take out of what we've been through for the last year, or the last couple of years, is that the golf industry has really gotten a great shot in the arm um, that's, uh, that should help going forward, you know, quite a bit. And I hope the game of golf can help uh, society as a whole kind of cope with this. And I think they have. I think golf industry has been one of the ways in which a lot of people have been able to deal with this because in large measure we've been able to get outside and, and still play. I think it's been a good thing overall. Well, Tripp, I really appreciate you doing this, and I especially appreciate you doing this on short notice. Thank you, and uh, good luck with the rest of the year, and congrats on – all the projects you're doing. Thank you. Well, it's always fun catching up with Trip. Now we're going to move on to our conversation with Tom Marzoff of Fazio Golf Design. Tom, it's great to have you on the podcast again, and thanks for uh, taking some time here on relatively short notice. Uh, the first thing that I wanted to get your perspective on is you've been doing this for close to 40 years now. Describe what it's like to be a golf course architect here in 2022. Well, it's a super exciting time for the golf industry right now, Guy. Um, the growth that's happened is kind of unprecedented, really. I think it, it, we're in a growth spurt now that's maybe generational growth. If you think back to when things started to slow down in 2006, some um, 16 years ago, I think we are now at a point with the game that there is real growth, and it could be an opportunity here for a growth spurt like we haven't seen in, in our lifetimes yet. So, 
very positive. Things are looking up um, to help our listeners kind of understand why we believe that. And it's just let's take a look at the numbers, you know, what COVID-19 has done to the game. Rounds are up 529 to 529 million rounds in 2021. That's the most rounds we've ever played in a, round, in a year in the game. So around the world, there's a renewed interest in new golf course projects. We have 400-plus projects around the world that are being tracked at sub-level of design and construction right now and planning. So that's exciting uh, to see new facilities, uh, renewed interest in that. There's 43% of the golf clubs in America right now have full memberships, and they have a waiting list now. And, wow, what a change since uh, our talk uh, several years ago, worried about clubs and worried about debt clubs and getting through and, and growing. So we've, we've surpassed that now, and clubs are looking strong again. Um, it's been tough, though, in 2022. Uh, as we look ahead to the year, there's, there's definitely impacts from COVID and material shortages. So. There's a shortage of pipe for drainage work. It's been hard to get bunker sand over the past year. Greens mix shortages. Um, if you're putting in a brand-new system, it's been hard to keep up with irrigation heads and having enough on site to keep the project moving. So that's been real. The trucking shortages that we've all heard about, heard about uh, really have impacted the game. And, you know, as a golf architect on site, you're working with a contractor building and you're underway. There's some inconsistent labor force issues, you know, really due to COVID and Omicron. Um, there's definitely been the last two months I've been on site and there's been sickness and people following protocol and being off site. So it's impacted our ability to keep working. Yeah, there's, there's no one else to hire because of the labor shortage. So you've got the people you've got and sometimes the talent is homesick. So that's been real. Um, so construction schedules, projects underway, it's tough to keep them on track, tough to keep them moving forward because of the material-related issues. Sometimes you don't have the things that you need to put into the ground, and that's hard to control the delivery date of a project for your owner. So schedules have been tough to understand that and help helping under, people understand that these things are out of our control and everybody's trying to do the best they can and deliver the project. So those are all very real there's there's been an increased demand for renovation projects as COVID has increased interest in the game and clubs feel strong again and the the spend for the average project is starting to climb up so clubs are starting to move ahead think about doing projects and spend more money on those things so you know look back at 2021 and uh, interesting we we opened 76 new standalone driving ranges in, in 2021. So that's a lot of growth, and that's a great thing for people to hit balls and and enjoy the game and, that, and an off-cost facility at a standalone range. So, um, you know, in short, in summary, high demand for golf design projects, a very real shortage of materials and contractors to do the work. Uh, 2022 is, is really booked up and solid for most people working in the industry right now, and, and 2023 is almost booked out. So that's very real and uh, different times, Guy. But uh, things are looking up, and it's very positive for the future. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. I think the first thing I need to follow up on is a lot of our listeners are golf course superintendents or assistant superintendents. How far ahead should they be thinking in advance if their club is considering uh, doing some work or even has had some work approved? 
Well, it's a, it's a different time right now, and I think it's hard to understand the realities of what's actually going on in the industry. So if you haven't been involved in trying to start a project here lately, there's a lot to learn and catch up on. I'd say for our superintendents out there, it depends on the size of the project that you'd like to do, and it depends on the time that you'd like to get underway. If it's a large renovation project and, say, your club wants to rebuild their bunkers or regrass or new a tea project or rebuild green complexes, what have you, there's almost no availability to get that work done in 2022 right now. The major contractors, all the golf course builders in this industry are booked. And, and so as a superintendent, if you really, if you have a project that's in the early stages, you need to bring it to the forefront. And then I've been talking with the superintendents that I'm working with, Guy, and trying to help them understand this and get this, you know, the first task for, for me is to help the, under, the superintendent understand that this is real, that this is actually going on, and get the superintendent on board with believing in that because it is real. And then you've, we've all got to sit down with the, the board and the club and help them understand that this is real and that we've, if you really want to get moving on a project, you may need to look ahead into late 2023 as your first availability to have a major golf course builder assist you. And then even at that, we've almost got to sit down and, and say, oh, and offer that work to a builder and even maybe negotiate that work instead of bidding that work because there's so much work going on. And I, I would say within the next two to three months, 2023 is going to get booked out to conclusion. And, and we're already starting to book work for 2024. So unprecedented times in the golf industry guy this has never happened in my lifetime to where you know right now if you wanted to put an irrigation system in the ground in 2022 right now and you said you're ready to go there's no installer they're all busy they're all booked and that's real and that's you know not opinion so different time different time and it and we have to plan ahead now let's go back to march of 2020 did you ever think that this is what would be happening two years later Gosh, it was hard for us during that time. I, I remember back, and so do you, how difficult when COVID hit the golf industry. Uh, very hard to predict, and we all saw states starting to shut down golf and shut down economies and send students home from school, and we all had to put a mask on. And so what a different time that was, and it really impacted all of our lives and a strong impact. It was hard to predict how that year was going to unfold some in 2020 took that time as a time to pause and let's see what this is going to do and learn about the virus because we were all, at that time, very afraid of it and, and for good reason. Some clubs chose to just, okay, uh, there's a slowdown, let's push ahead and do the work. So it was kind of a mixed uh, response in 2020, um, pausing or moving forward in a bigger way. Uh, 2021, we saw this economic gain in the stock market and the money was flowing and huge growth. And so clubs started to feel good about their situations and the money started to free up. So we saw this boom begin in 2021 and it's continuing on to now. And um, so, gosh, uh, you know, hard to predict any of that. You know, when does COVID slow down? When does COVID end? I think none of us have a feel for that right now. So hard to predict what's going to happen in the next few years even. How do you determine your capacity to do work as a golf course architecture firm with all the opportunities that are out there? How do you find that balance of what to pursue and what not to pursue when so many people are talking about so many different things and big things? It, it 
to looking at your business and your capacity and what can you do, how can you keep moving. You know, you have contracts in place and you have to service your clients and get those projects done well. At the same time, unprecedented interest in new golf courses again in America with the boom that we saw in the real estate market and the prices of homes going up. And I think, too, this uh, COVID impact of working from home has allowed golfers to have more of their day back and not not the, the commute to the office. So you've got time in the afternoon to play more rounds of golf. So all of this has led to a growth in the game. Tom, you live and are based out of the mountains in North Carolina. How tough is it to find a home in a tea time in your part of the world right now? <laughs> That's so true. I'm lucky in that I, I live in the, on a green committee at a club that we designed in, in South Carolina, in Greenville, South Carolina, and it's great. Our, our club is unprecedented growth. We've played the most rounds we've ever played. My club has a waiting list out the door for the first time since I've ever been a member there, so it's uh, it's hard to get a tee time. These tee time systems are in place, and uh, it is a scramble. You, you know, the, the tee sheet opens up, and you got to call in, or you can't get access to the course. And I think that's going on at a lot of golf courses. The rounds are up so high right now, guy. I don't think our listeners, many of our listeners, or the golfer understands the organization and planning it, it requires to be a golf course architect. When there's so much going on right now, and there's some volatility. Uh, out of your control, how do you structure your days, weeks, and months, and how flexible do you have to be here in 2022? Yeah, it's, a, it's a great question. I, I'd say you have to get the work done. You have to plan. I think we're in the business as architects. We help people draw plans, make plans. We help people do budgets. We help people do schedules. In a sense, in a golf course project, the role of the golf course architect is to, in a sense, guide the group, listen, learn, teach, and keep keep things on trap and keep things moving. So as a golf course architect, most uh, most architects are super organizational people. You have to be. You've got so much going on. You've got the responsibility of overseeing the spend and laying out the work for a golf course contractor and keeping all of that moving. So you have to develop organizational skills, and you have to keep tracking things. And the invoices that come in from the contractor, you're, you've got to check each invoice. You've got to make sure you're on track. You've got to do predictions for where are we on our schedule because of the supply chain issues and the labor-related issues and this communication skills back to your clients to help them understand that we're going at this the best we can in a COVID situation, and we're trying as hard as we can, but we've lost control of the schedule, and that's very real. Um, we have labor issues that can't fix. There's no one to hire. So I think it's communication and keeping that line open and being clear and helping people understand how difficult it is right now to keep things moving forward. You're a past ASGCA president. You keep in touch with a lot of your your, your colleagues. You've been in the industry for a long time. Just how cool is it to see so many people that have worked so hard get the opportunities that they're getting right now? Oh, it's exciting. The, this growth spurt that we're talking about here with larger renovation projects, widespread growth in the game, interest in brand-new golf courses, again, is exciting for all the golf architects alive today. I think it's time to grow right now. It's a great time to look at the future and expand your company because this is a real opportunity, really, for a generational opportunity because the game is strong right now and that growth is going to continue, Guy. It's a, it's a great time to expand. It's a great time to, you know, the money is flowing. 
clubs are strong again. So we've been waiting a long, long time for this. There's been a lot of tough times. I'd say, you know, with the slowdown in 06 and then the crash in 2009, I think the industry tried to shrink and right-size itself to match the workload. And we plotted along for many, many years with not many golf courses happening, smaller renovation projects. I'd say the golf course builders got you know got rid of all the equipment they owned, and they now they rent equipment and rent it from a rental yard and shows up on the site. So, you know, we've geared down the size of the equipment because we're not building brand new golf courses through that period from 2009 on. So, okay, push the reset button now. The game's going to grow. There's a lot more new golf courses to build. We need bigger equipment. And so the industry's struggling with that. It's a great time to open up a construction company because the, the major builders are at capacity. Are we sometimes so close to the situation and spending so much time doing so many different things in this industry to even realize how well it's doing? Do you think sometimes we underestimate how well golf is doing right now because we're we're so busy and so deep in the weeds with our own work? Yeah, it's a good point. I think you're right about that guy. And I think you know, for the longest time, there's been a lack of growth or a, a lack of ability to look at the business as a growing and, and increasing capacity. Um, we've we've been trying to hold on to rounds. We've been trying to hold on to golfer retention. And for years and years, all the talk has been just keeping the game stable and not losing. And, and all of a sudden, we're at a turning point where we're growing again. And it's been a long time guys so we've got to learn to grow again and we've got to change how we've been acting the last 10 years in kind of slow mode and now we're in growth mode and that's a different mindset that's a different brain so i think we all you know challenge ourselves to push the reset button and hey there's real opportunity out here right now and we have to start doing things a little differently and thinking about the industry and it's a it's almost a launching pad for the future and it's uh that's new that's exciting that's a lot of fun and uh hopefully uh, people seize the day and take advantage of this opportunity in their lives. As we've all found out, things can change so fast that we have no control over. But if we continue on this trajectory, where can we see golf potentially going and golf design and construction going in the next three to five years? Well, as you know, Guy, it's very, very hard to predict yeah. the future. And if it, if you and I had really talent uh, at predicting the future, we wouldn't be working today, would we? But uh, We'd be owning golf courses instead of trying to find ways to help them, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. But it, it's a good question. Uh, two thoughts on that. I, I'd say after, you know, I had a conversation last week with Tom Fascio about the same exact thing, and Tom and I were talking about, you know, what's going to happen? Does COVID slow down? When does COVID end? And the growth in the game right now, you know, was created by COVID, but it's also like hindered by COVID where it's hard to do service at country clubs. It's hard to take care of the golf course because it's a labor issue. Imagine a world where COVID is gone. And Tom Fazio and I believe that there's so much growth in the game right now and clubs are strong again that it could unfold. And if COVID backed off or slowed down, there could be more growth guy. And so the, the growth that we're seeing could expand, could, could, really get into a more and more opportunities. So you got to keep that in mind and you've got to like pay attention to what's actually going on and call it when you see it and, and change with that industry. The flip side of that, or the, the other point or the other way to look at that is, you know, what could, what could hurt it? What could slow it down? Obviously, if there was a recession or an economic slowdown, then it'll all come to a slowdown and come to a stop. So in the next three to five years, um, 
there is going to be short-term growth because there's so many projects teed up to happen, and they're they're funded and they're going to happen. So you know, there's a two, three-year window of insulation. If it shut, if the economy broke and shut down for some reason, we'd be busy for the next two or three years because the projects are underway. Um, so hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully at some point COVID eases and we have an opportunity to have more growth because. Um, you know, when was the last time in your town that a brand-new golf course opened up? You know, it's been a long time since every city in America got a brand-new golf course, and, and that used to be the norm. And hopefully we can get back to that, to where there is exciting new opportunities and new golf courses in every every town in the country, and that's certainly a goal, and we'll see what happens. Well, Tom, you had a chance to visit my town, Cleveland, Ohio, a few months ago for the ASGCA meeting. Uh, I had a chance to visit the mountains of North Carolina and South Carolina in August, and I can tell you there are more new golf courses where you live than where I live. Oh, yes, sir. It's uh, it's amazing to see the growth in real estate golf in the South. I think developers see the game as an opportunity to help sell real estate, and that's real. And this growth and the economic growth in the real estate industry has put a renewed interest in golf and and also resorts. I mean, the, the nice thing or the great thing for pure golf and and separate from a real estate development is a standalone resort, and that has been, in the past 15 years, obviously, the, that's been the growth of the game with the great the great places that are fun to go, destination golf clubs to go and play golf that we've all fallen in love with. And uh, so combination of, of the interest right now with real estate picking back up and, and the great resorts that continue to add new fun things you know, Himalayas, putting greens, six-hole par three courses, short courses, odd numbers of golf holes, all of those things that are going on is an exciting time in the game. Well, Tom, this was awesome. Thank you for taking so much time, and it's always a joy to get to hear your perspective, and, you know, congrats on everything you and the firm are achieving right now. Oh, thank you, Guy, and thanks to the golf course industry for all you do. Thank you, Guy. As you can tell from that conversation, these are busy days for Tom and the Fazio design team. And now we're going to move on to a conversation with another busy architect, Bill Bergen of Bergen Golf Designs. Well, Bill, it's great to have you on the podcast. I really appreciate you doing this on short notice. And right now, you are currently in the Bergen Golf Designs van, returning home from the PGA show. What was the vibe in Orlando, and how much excitement are you sensing around golf right now, Bill? Guy, that is a really great question, and that's an, uh, an interesting look at the PGA show. So uh, I am actually a, a former PGA member. I don't know if I'm the only ASGCA guy or architect that was a former PGA member, but I have my class A uh, as a PGA member, also played professionally as well. But So I've been going to the PGA show since the 80s, and remember when it was just this massive deal and everybody was there and it was, it, you know, it's kind of a homecoming of sorts. It's a celebration of golf. And so this year coming back uh, was really interesting. You could tell uh, just driving about around the convention center that there was less traffic without a doubt. I mean, that usually is packed. You can't get anywhere. You can't park. It's just kind of a madhouse there. And it was quite nice and easy, uh, especially we're in a 24-and-a-half-foot van, so uh, getting around town was, was quite easy. Um, the show was interesting because the big stars were not there. Callaway, Titleist, TaylorMade, to name a few, they were not there. And those booths that they have are, you know, phenomenal. I mean, they're quite the the, the uh, ex, 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 
exhibition or exhibit, and you can't help but want to go in there and see their equipment, and, and it's just a great energy, and they were gone. So this PGA show was way more about smaller groups and smaller products. I still mainly go to meet and greet, uh, see old friends. And again, as a former PGA member, I run into all kinds of people. Uh, a couple, uh, uh, I'm, I, I'm interested in teaching. And so a few of my friends, close friends, are James Light, who's a fabulous guy out of Louisiana. And then Mike Adams out of Texas. I spent a little time with Mike. And then Mike Bender, who's out of Orlando. He and I have known each other and traveled and played together back in the 80s. And so I got to spend a little bit of time with him. So that's really, really time well spent for me. And then we probably ran into at least 10 clients. So I had a bunch of my, my projects. Um, GMs were there. Golf professionals were there. Uh, so that was also um, a really good time. And then I, one of my clients is U.S. Kids Golf, and I always love spending time in their booth. It is a, uh, it's a happy place. Uh, it's a place, you know, I, I believe U.S. Kids Golf has been an incredibly positive influence on the game, on children, and on families. So uh, it was a good show for me. Uh, we had some um, really nice uh, conversations, ran into some old friends. Uh, was only there for one day, and so it was it was it was a good time. But I wouldn't judge it as far as where golf is, because it was a PGA show with less attendance than I've seen. I anticipate that the GIS show in a couple weeks in San Diego will be similar. Bill, what's the conversation like when you see somebody in the industry that you haven't seen for a while, and you're talking with him or her, and they ask you, Bill, how are things going? And in return. What do you tell them, and then what do they tell you when you ask them how, how are things going? How do those conversations go, and how much excitement can you sense for people's facilities and work right now? So I think it's uh, it's pretty exciting. I think there's mostly a very positive energy coming from all aspects of the golf business. Uh, one of my clients is a, cl- a club in South Georgia, and you know, they had record years with 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 um, selling golf clubs with with play. Uh, everything, you know, everybody seems to feel like, you know, their revenues are up, their play is up, um, they're looking to spend some money, um, and that's that's an important thing for for us golf architects. And then uh, it's it's really fun because our business is really booming, and most of my friends know it. And that's the nice thing about social media is that people know what's going on, they know what projects you're working on, they say, hey, I love that project or this project. I, you know, really liked your work, and we got a lot of that uh, on the floor yesterday at the PGA show. So speaking of being busy, how many miles did you and your son Matt put in on that van in 2021, and are you going to exceed that in 2022? So we have this 24-and-a-half-foot Mercedes Sprinter. Uh, it's a small RV, and it's really an amazing vehicle. It's, it's fun to drive. It's like having a little apartment on wheels, but more importantly, it's my office. So Matt drives 90% of the time. And I work 90% of the time, and when we're going down the highway, I'm getting things done. And that's allowed our company to really to do more work and to be efficient. It's also allowed me to get home from trips and actually uh, spend time with my wife rather than going and saying, I've got to go do this, I've got to have this out in the morning. So it's, it's really been a, a game changer for my lifestyle. It, it's been really a fantastic addition. We bought it two and a half years ago, almost three 
Uh, last year we put 50,000 miles on it, and I flew a little bit, and I drove my personal uh, SUV uh, quite a bit because we have mountain work, and, and this thing is made for the highways, not necessarily the mountain curves. But um, so we traveled a lot of miles. I bet I went 70,000 road miles last year just for business. So one of the places you visited frequently last year was Santa Rosa Golf and Beach Club. Explain that course to our listeners and how exciting was it to get that course open in Florida? So that has turned into one of my all-time favorite projects. So Santa Rosa Beach Golf and Country Club is a, a kind of a quiet little golf course that was kind of overgrown, not in great condition, uh, and it, but it was sitting right on 30A, which is the main drag in the Santa Rosa, uh, Destin, Rosemary Beach area. It's a beautiful beach area. And this golf course needed to be renovated. And they, they hired me several years ago to master plan it. And this past year, we did renovate it. But the theme was the exciting part. So we had two holes, the fourth and fifth holes. Um, went south out to 30A with views of the Gulf. And between those two holes, we had this high sandy dune that was full of sand pines and sand oaks and and a few palm trees and other scrub, but this kind of a natural dune-like area. And I was fascinated with that part of the property and, and really loved it. And it inspired me to take the beach area and put it through the whole golf course. And so we took this white sand um, and we created dunes, and we vegetated them like the dunes at the beach. We turned the golf course into a beach golf course, even though it's, you know, it, it, it goes almost to the gulf, but part of it's over a mile away. But we took that same thing and ran it through the entire golf course. And so we have a golf course that, and it's kind of current in, in what people are doing. We reduce turf, although we have nice wide fairways. Uh, we reduced maintenance. We reduced the playable areas as far as um, roughs are concerned. But we have this incredibly gorgeous white sand framing. And everywhere, uh, Metalist Construction did the, did the work, and they, they did an amazing job. They took my vision, and I, they just exceeded it. They, I couldn't say more good things about what they did on this project. But every time we took a piece of equipment and dug into the ground, we basically came out with sugar-white beet sand. And that was phenomenal. And we just ran that through um, through the entire golf course. We took out a lot of trees, opened it up so that oceans or gulf breezes are part of the strategy of the golf course. You know, there's nothing better than a little bit of wind and that feeling that you're at the gulf. And, and you hear the surf if it's up a little bit from the golf course, uh, even on the back nine. So it's, a, it's a, an incredibly successful project. They went from seeking members wherever they could to over a two-year waiting list. They're not even taking people on now. And so that's been a phenomenal uh, combination, I think, of our work and COVID and people's desire to get to the mountain areas or to beach areas or realizing that, hey, I can live in a pleasant environment and still do my work. And I think COVID has uh, caused that for a lot of people where you say, you know what? I can work almost anywhere, so where would I like to live? Where would my quality of life um, be the best, and where can I enjoy my, my life? And Santa Rosa Golf and Beach Club is, man, it's high on the list. Yeah, and speaking of desirable places to live, I mean, you've spent a lot of time 
in the mountains. Tell our listeners about Macklemore and the combination of Macklemore and Santa Rosa. How how fortunate are you to get creative freedom like that at this point in your career to do two projects that big? Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned the mountains because literally we're all over the mountains. I think we, you know, we did Big Canoe this year in the mountains of North Georgia. We did Highland Falls in Highland, North Carolina in the mountains, and that's just a golden spot. Um, we're working at Colossage in Highlands, and, and then the Macklemore Project is over. Uh, it's a different mountain project because it's over just south of Chattanooga on Lookout Mountain, and it actually only sits about 2,100 feet above sea level. But as you're aware, our 18th hole finishes on the edge of a cliff. It also is, is pretty interesting in that you've got these huge long views and these massive boulders, boulders that are the size of your house. And I don't even know how big your house is, but they're big. I mean, these, these boulders that are all over give it this, this sort of prehistoric look. We've got beautiful natural fescues all over the place. We have rattlesnakes. And we have a golf course that's just nothing but fun. And we're looking to expand all things that are happening at Macklemore because we have a new hotel that is under construction right now and is anticipated to open in the next couple of years. And we will be bringing more golf to Macklemore to satisfy the demand of that hotel. I can assure you those boulders are bigger than my house, Bill. I'm just a magazine <laughs> editor here. I'm not a, uh, a an investor or a tour player or something. But on a serious note, I believe you started your firm in 1994. Is this the busiest you've ever been? And if so, how are you handling the increased demand for your services with your capacity to do work? Yeah, no doubt, guys. So it is the busiest we've ever been. We actually did had 12 projects under construction in 2021, and that's too many. Uh, we had eight at the same time, and I visit each of my projects once a week, so you can figure out the math that there aren't many days off, and we actually – sometimes can combine and, and do two projects in a day uh, and we do that and so that made it manageable but we are um, we have exciting news we have a new employee that starts with us next week and um, he's a golf course superintendent which I think is even appropriate for um, for this podcast his name is Spence Oliver and he was the superintendent at Dunwoody Country Club for years and I did a project with him in 2013 and I am so excited to welcome him to my company. His role will be uh, project manager, uh, agronomist, uh, irrigation guy. Uh, he'll be learning AutoCAD and, um, and how to do all the things that we do. But he's going to really, uh, you know, improve our productivity, allow us to, to um, do even better work and actually offer our clients uh, even more expertise because he's a full, you know, fully certified golf course superintendent and a really good one. And then, so between Matt and myself and, and Spence, and then Mary, Mary, our, my wife runs our business. You know, we've got this this nice little foursome uh, to take Bergen Golf Designs into the future. You know, you bring up a good point with the project manager role. I mean, golf course superintendents have so much going on, especially now with more play, less labor. Uh, there, there's some issues with you know, finding supplies and getting supplies. How important is it that to offer that support to the golf course superintendent and how overwhelming can it be to be a golf course superintendent and do a big project at the same time? Golf course renovation projects for a superintendent who's never done one can be overwhelming. I mean, it, it makes them nervous. You can, you know, it makes them nervous and, and a little bit uncomfortable. And by adding Spence to our team, I think we're going to really bridge that a little bit and, and, and ease the, the worry 
of the golf course superintendent by having somebody that can really speak his, his or her language. They can relate to each other. Uh, Spence knows what we're about to go through, and he can really lay the groundwork for the superintendent. Additionally, when it comes to ordering irrigation materials and grass and all the things that we do, whether it's the contractor who's ordering them or the superintendent who's ordering materials, uh, Spence will be uh, integral for my company on getting ahead of that because, as we all know, the supply chain is a little bit rough. Um, you have to plan ahead. When we used to be able to get a bid ready four months before we wanted to start construction, and we had no trouble getting contractors to bid on our work, and that day is gone right now. We really have to give people advance notice, and um, that's changed a lot with covid and with the amount of demand, I think it's, it's really demand. There's so much work going on out there, and contractors are stretched thin, architects are stretched thin, uh, but it's an exciting time for all of us. Bill, flashback to March of 2020. Did you think that your business would be in this position two years later, expanding and getting the opportunities that it has? There was certainly a lot of uncertainty just 23 months ago. Yeah, you know, you know any time that the, the world has seen – an issue, golf typically suffers. And, you know, when the economy looks like it's going to have a problem, golf suffers. And I went through, you know, with Bob Cup back in 92 when the Japanese stopped funding projects, uh, we were impacted greatly. Uh, in 2001, 9-11 caused a blip in our business for a little while. Then obviously 0809 was desperate. Um, so we've seen those things. And when the, when the pandemic started, I was worried because I had – I had a ton of work, so um, we had a ton of work going into last year, hence the 12 projects that we did last year. So it really, I wasn't worried about us, you know, surviving, but you, you never know. You could have all your projects just stop. I mean, that, that, if it's bad, that, that's what would happen. So uh, I, was, I was obviously concerned about it, and then it was, it was amazing, you know, two months or so into the pandemic, people are like, well, the only thing you can really do is play golf. And, and that was great. And then our construction projects did not stop. Um, in fact, none of our projects stopped um, during that time. We had one that delayed 30 days on going from master plan to construction drawings. They just said, hang on a minute. But they only waited 30 days, and then, boom, they, they, they said, go ahead. And we've already finished that project. I mean, that, that was a project in Nashville, and it's complete um, and, and finished at this point. So uh, time seems to be flying by. I do feel like the habit-forming aspect of COVID's benefit to golf is going to stick with us, maybe not at the level that we've achieved. You know, we might be like a stock market that, you know, achieved a record high. But I think that um, even if we back down a little bit, we have created a bunch of new golfers, and I think we're offering a ton of fun product out there as well for, for people to enjoy. Bill, give our listeners the scene in the part of the country where you work. You You're working in – these parts of the country that everybody wants to move to right now, just not on the golf course, but how much development do you see in the parts of the country you work in, like Tennessee and the mountains of Carolina and Florida, just in Georgia? What What is it like even outside the golf course with the people moving down to those areas? Guy, that's a great question. And I am working in, 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 a, in areas of the Southeast that are so popular. So let's start in Nashville. Uh, we, we, we just finished a project in Nashville. We're about to start construction on another one. But Nashville, I believe, is the second fastest growing city in America to Denver um, and major city. And so people are moving in to Nashville at such a rate that it's unbelievable. One of my clients uh, is the Grove, and they have 
the corn ferry tours there, and they, they can't get property online fast enough for their demand. It is phenomenal how many people want to move to that part of, of Nashville. And I know that, that golf in Nashville has boomed to such a point where most of the private clubs are really, really doing extraordinarily well. And they're even, you know, talk of, of new, you know, new golf courses happening again. And then um, we did a job this past year at Big Canoe, which is a mountain lake resort in North Georgia. And this is a, a really fascinating study because typically this is a 3,000 home community. Um, and there almost always were 300 homes or 10% of the homes on the market almost all the time. Just kind of houses available for sale. This past year, there have been less than 30. There's nothing available. Same thing with Santa Rosa Beach, the Santa Rosa Beach area, Justin area, uh, Rosemary Beach. The, the real estate values in that area have skyrocketed so fast. And again, that's, I think, you know, benefited us at Santa Rosa Beach Golf and Country Club. But it's just amazing that how many people are moving to these beautiful areas, again, where I, I, my thought is, hey, you know, how can I improve my quality of life? And uh, we're happy that it includes golf. And, and where do I want to live? Because people have recognized that, hey, I don't have to live in a major city. I don't have to, you know, do the same things that we've traditionally done, you know, for most of our business life. We can do it a little bit differently. And um, that's, I think, you're really seeing that. At Macklemore, you're seeing that in the mountains of North Carolina, and you're seeing it in beach beach towns all over the place. Yeah, given those factors, uh, how optimistic are you for the next three to five years that this is going to continue for you? It's funny. We used to always know when our projects were sort of ending, and and, and so it's kind of the, the last few years has been the first time where you, it, you know, we're 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 loaded up nicely for for the future, and I know that 23. Uh, it's going to be a rough year for me because I have too many under construction. It's just going to be one of those years where, and they're, you know, we've got big, wonderful projects and they all happen to want to go at the same time. And so we're, we're really loaded up nicely for the next few years. Um, hence the new, the new, the new addition to the company, the new employee. Um, and, you know, because we want him to work for us for a long time and he's kind of halfway between Matt's age and my age. And, uh, I, I feel like we're really positioned well to be able to, you know, to do excellent work uh, and have a great team uh, to offer our, our clients, a, you know, a really solid, solid uh, company and project. Well, Bill, thanks for joining us on short notice, especially thanks for joining us from the road and congrats on everything you've accomplished over the last few years. And I joke that you're the person that works everywhere that I want to live in those communities. So uh, hopefully you get time to enjoy the scenery. Hey, Guy, thanks so much. And, yeah, it's, um, it's you know, coming live from the, uh, the Bergen bus. Uh, it's a, it's, it does make our lives, you know, work a lot better. And it's, um, it's always fun because people enjoy seeing it. You know, they want to peek inside. Half the time, Matt's dog's with us. And uh, it's just a fun vehicle to, um, to get a workout of. And we often, you know, we'll even sleep in the parking lots of the clubs we're working on, wake up the next day, and off we go out onto the job site. So it's, it's been a, a phenomenal thing, but um, I appreciate you calling me and I uh, look forward to the next time we get to talk.